Keyboard Kimura is presented by OneMo, the first size-inclusive, big and tall brand. If you've been rocking with me for a while, you know I'm always rocking OneMo, and there's a bunch of reasons why. In addition to the fact that I straight up love their gear, from the different pants and shorts to the shirt varieties, hoodies, zips, the hot sauce, it's also because they understand that size doesn't matter, fit does. I'm a bigger guy, and I carry it all in my belly, which meant for me, finding shirts that were long enough to not be revealing when I raised my arms or that kept me covered if I had to crouch down to pick something up was a challenge, but One Bone solved that. All the tops have added length to cover the gap between your shirt and your pants, and everything is made from premium fabrics, with tops ranging in size from medium to 8XL and bottoms going from a waist size of 30 to 65 inches. From flyweight to heavyweight and beyond, One Bone has got you covered. They offer free exchanges and returns in order to guarantee your perfect fit. And you can even buy now and pay later with four interest-free payments. On top of that, they're Canadian, just like me. And for me, that's important. New gear drops every couple of weeks, including the fall collection hitting the market recently. And it's got some absolute bangers in it. And the website and app are always loaded with the latest gear, styles, and offerings. As a One Bone Ambassador, I've got you covered with a one-time promo code for 15% off your entire order. All you have to do is visit the link in the show notes, onebonebrand.com forward slash Spencer Kite, and enter the promo code Spencer Kite. That's my name, all caps, all one word, at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. It is a one-time use code, but I'm confident that once you cop some One Bone and become part of the One Bone family, You'll understand why my entire wardrobe consists of One Bone Apparel. One Bone, the biggest brand. Welcome everybody to the Keyboard Tomorrow Podcast. I'm your host, Eastbender Kite. Joined today by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Bronstetter of TSN. Reached out to Aaron earlier today for this topic. He had put out a terrific video up on his various social platforms talking about influencer boxing and how the trailer is often far superior to the movie. I reached out and said, listen, that is exactly how I feel about it. We go in divergent ways in terms of what we think coming out of it. Me being an angry man that writes stories about MMA fighters, obviously everybody knows where I'm going to go with it. But I wanted to reach out and have the conversation a little bit and and expand on it some. So Aaron, thank you for doing this. I appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, You know, and it's not my intention to bury this whole genre. It's more just we we have to start start looking at this for what it is. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. And we'll, we'll expand on that, I'm sure. Yeah, so so absolutely. And and listen, my intention isn't to bury it either. I think there is a I think there is room in this landscape for literally everything, whether it's the highest level, whether we're talking bare knuckles, whether we're talking, you know, submission grappling, combat jujitsu, everything has space. Everybody has access to an audience, those who like it. I'm not somebody that's gonna come here and say, you know, shake my fist at people for what they like, because we all like different things. But if you can just sort of the, the, the quick version of what you said in the video, I will include the link to it in the show notes and, and do suggest everybody go and check it out so we can start from there. Cause I thought it was an absolutely perfect analogy. 
Yeah, it's basically an excerpt that I took from my podcast this week where I talked about this particular subject. It was actually pretty far down in the show. You know, we have some more important things to deal with, with UFC 294, for example. But I did want to touch on it because I wanted to sum up my feelings from over the weekend, which is that if you're tuning into this for the actual competition, there's really not much there. There's no stakes. I mean, I've, I've, this is what I've mentioned about it in the past and has been my biggest issue with it, is like the stakes are so low. And when it comes to sports and why we love sports, to me, the biggest stakes are what are going to drive me towards any sport. Like this weekend, Volkanovski versus Makhachev is the second time this year that we're getting the two people that are at least closest in weight together that are in the top three pound for pound. I mean, top it was top two last time. Now it's top three. That to me is why we watch sports is to see the upper echelon of competition and see who the better man is among the best, right? Like when we watch the UFC every week, like we see, you know, Terrence McKinney against a, a fighter coming on short notice. That's more just for like, there's still a, a massive co- competitive aspect to it. These are two, two guys fighting at the highest level of mixed martial arts. But at the end of the day, that's kind of more entertainment because there's not really great stakes in a fight like that. There's, of course, for the fighters, there is because you get your show and you get your win and all that. But when it comes to like influencer boxing, if you lose, as long as you're good on social media afterwards and you have an audience, right. it really doesn't matter what your record is. Like KSI, people are like, oh, KSI, that was a robbery. It's like, who cares? Does it matter that it was a robbery? What, what does he lose by losing this fight to Tommy Fury right. in controversial fashion? He arguably gains more from losing than he would have had he won. Because now he can make it about like, oh, I was better than an actual boxer and blah, blah, blah. The stakes are so low. Right. And I think that that's why when we tune into this, it's basically just for the show. Like in the expanded version of the clip, like if you want to listen to it on my podcast, I talk about how it would almost be better if it was scripted. Like if they made this an event where like they they had storylines and they could expand, like that's basically pro wrestling, of course, but like figure out a way to make it more entertaining right? by forcing the entertainment. Because right. the, the actual boxing match between Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul was trash. I mean, like there's not really any other way to put it. Like if you're looking at what good boxing looks like or even like a competitive boxing, right? that was, that was bad. It was not fun to watch and until Dennis started to use his antics, which is what got us into the fight in the first place. And that's why, in my mind, Dylan Dennis is the big winner of that night and the big winner of all of this, which is kind of disturbing because his whole thing is trolling everybody. And that's essentially what he did on the, on the grandest possible scale. And it was so valuable for me to hear you articulate it that way of, if you think this is the end of Dylan Dennis, you are so wrong because this is where it's going to just jump off from. Because I look at it and I go into it and obviously I'm somebody that spends my weeks, my days, whatever, talking to UFC athletes, producing content on UFC athletes. And so I'm always biased towards them and passionate about getting them opportunities. And we see Dylan Dennis making the media rounds, getting a ton of attention. And I cringe. I honestly cringe and shake my head and go, what are we doing? And on Saturday when everybody was having their reactions to, I can't believe this is what it is. And he's doing, my reaction was, this was the most predictable thing in the world. As you said, if you were going into this, expecting it to be competitive and skillful and anything other than a schmoz, 
you were lying to yourself, but it's going to continue. It's going to go on. This is what it is. And we have to start accepting, as you wisely said in the piece, that the trailer is going to be better than the movie. The lead up was great in terms of generating interest and attention. It's always going to be, again, as you said, that's who these people are. That's what they do. That's why they are in this position. It is influencer boxing. They are influential on social media. The sell is going to be great. The sizzle is going to be fantastic. The steak, however, probably not so good. Well, it actually finally struck me this past week, and maybe I'm late to the game on this, but the term influencer boxing is a perfect term. Right. Because they are influencing you to watch boxing. <laughs> like, you're not a boxing fan if this is what you're into. You're not right. a fan of the sweet science. You're not expecting, like, Tim Zhu fought over the weekend. How many more people do you think right. watch influencer boxing than, like, a legitimate top three guy in his weight class right. actually box? So that's what influencer boxing is. They're just influencing you, using their influence to get you to watch them box. So it, it's kind of sad, right? Because clicks are capital. If I put a video of me interviewing Dylan Danis on YouTube and an interview with Sadiq Youssef where he's pouring his heart out to me about how he's raising money to try to help his family from Nigeria come over to the U.S. And he's a top fighter in one of the top divisions in the entire sport. And he's headlining on ESPN and like he still has a lot of people watching him. Probably more people watch the UFC than the influencer boxing as a result of it being on free television. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to say the UFC is like more popular than that event, although it kind of is. But I mean, it, more people were talking about this Dylan Danis and right. Logan Paul thing. But I wouldn't be surprised if more actual people watched this UFC event, given that it was on free free to air television, the cable, so to speak. I wouldn't say free to air. It's not on like you know the, yeah. the, the airwaves, but that, right. that's old right. old people talk. But right. I still think that the people are going to pay way more attention to me interviewing Dylan Danis where it doesn't have much of substance to say versus somebody saying something extremely substantive and personal on, you know, in another interview. And that doesn't necessarily mean that one's a better interview subject than the other. It's just, that's what the capital in influencer boxing is. Is like, if you can bring the eyeballs and the clicks, we are going to give you a platform. And that's the point where I struggle. And, and you, Laid that out beautifully. You laid that out wonderfully. I spoke to Sadiq, wrote a big piece on him, and it was great to sit down and hear him talk about all the different stuff he had been through in that year off. Spoke to Edson Barbosa, same thing. Talking about being excited and still still loving this after all of these years. And then he goes out and he has that performance. And I just think of the amount of athletes that are on that card. And the one that really jumped out to me on Saturday was Jonathan Martinez, who is now on a six-fight winning streak. Looked absolutely terrific against Adrian Yanez and is somebody that I don't think even moderate MMA fans, hardcore fans know who he is, but people that tune in more regularly than casuals that sort of parachute in for the big cards probably aren't that familiar with them. Now, part of that is because Jonathan Martinez is a relatively quiet dude. He's not out on social media all that much. He doesn't do a ton of interviews. But he's somebody that's a factor in the best division, in my opinion, in the UFC, one of the most competitive weight classes in the world. And yet, Dylan Dennis is a guy in the same week that is getting extremely far more attention, far more interviews, far more publicity for a performance that pales in comparison. And so I always struggle with accepting that balance. 
And I'm wondering maybe how you got to accepting that balance and what we can do from an MMA side, from an, M from an MMA media side to maybe work to balance those scales. Well, I don't know if we can, right? Like if you're looking at the actual MMA websites, they know that that influencer boxing card and everything surrounding it is going to get them more clicks than, you know, what they're going to be seeing on UFC fight night. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And I'm not sure what there is to fix that. Like these are still businesses that need to right. get engagement in order to, like, I, I was saying this to you before we started, like I'm fairly lucky. I work for TSN, which is one of the biggest sports networks. Well, it's the biggest sports network in Canada, but I mean, where MMA and combat sports are not really very high up in the pecking order of what we do. So that gives me the opportunity to really focus on the things that I believe in. You know what I mean? Like as a, as a person and a connoisseur of mixed martial arts, like I can really focus my attention on the things that I feel like I need to focus my attention on. I can ask my interview subjects about things that I am curious about and, and come at things from a place of curiosity. I'm not doing things for the sake of doing them because people are going to click on my article or click on whatever. That's kind of a luxury that I have. But I understand that not a lot of people have that luxury. And that's why rather than go to the apex and cover the UFC, they're going to like, I'm sure the schmo probably uses sponsorship money that he gets in order to go fly on a plane to Manchester to cover this because he knows that it's going to do way more traffic for him. So I'm not really sure what the solution to that is, right? Like that's really what it comes down to is people are going to vote with their time and they're going to vote with their dollars. And if people are voting with their time and dollars and clicks and all of that on influencer boxing, there's not a whole lot more we can do other than just accept that it is a thing and just say, Hey, this isn't for me. If you want to watch it, that's fine. And just be honest about it. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now is I'm just trying to be as authentic about it as possible because I can afford to as a result of those things that I just laid out. Yeah. I think that to me is, and I, I agree that you're correct. Like obviously, and, and this isn't meant as a like knock on anybody that has to cover it, that sees that, as you said, financial return and that, that, content return in covering it. We've all been, or most of us have been in, in those positions where we are writing the things that generate clicks. We are working towards drawing traffic. I've been fortunate throughout most of my career that I haven't been in that position either. And I'm grateful for that. But that authenticity and that full context is sort of a thing I've been thinking about a lot recently in this space is the part that's important to me. As long as we're presenting it as look, this is entertainment. This is what it is. Don't expect this. And you, you know, you threw out in your piece saying like, if you were thinking this was Sugar Ray Leonard, like you're kidding yourself. So as long as we're approaching it that way, I'm always going to be probably a little bit frustrated seeing Dylan Dennis making the rounds and Sadiq Youssef not, or Edson Barbosa not, Jonathan Martinez not, just because I want to see those athletes get those opportunities because I know two fights down the road or next fight down the road, there are going to be people that say, well, who is this guy? I've never heard of him. Well, you've, we've had these opportunities, but I think you're correct in saying that as long as it's presented contextually with this is what it is, these are the expectations. Here's likely what you're going to get. It's sort of the best we can do. Yeah. I mean, it's a show. That's what it comes down to is that's what that's what it's a show and people are watching it for entertainment value, not for competition. So as long as you don't conflate those things, I think that it's totally fine. And, you know, I also mentioned that 
one thing I like about it is that it creates a lot of opportunities in this industry, right. in, in media and also for fighters. Like Anthony Taylor, I think, is a perfect example. Like I interviewed Anthony Taylor when he was still like just competing in Bellator and he was like tr trying to put himself on the map and be, you know, he was pretty vocal on social media and he was a funny guy and I liked him and I, I interviewed him like probably three years ago. Um, and now, even though he's, I think, a better mixed martial artist than he is a boxer, he's found this niche for him that is allowing him to really monetize what he does. Like he's, I think, a very fascinating guy because he is an influencer, like an influencer boxer. Like that's kind of what he is now, um, you know, but he's also a really good fighter in terms of like he can beat these guys up, but he's right. also not necessarily the best boxer. But right. that, that's why I kind of like, like he's pretty authentic about, about the whole thing, which I, I respect. And I think that he's gotten a lot of really good opportunities as a result. He's actually somebody I'd like to speak to, to talk about that and, and kind of unpack why influencer boxer boxing is important in this combat sports space for that reason, right? For the reason that it's creating some opportunities for people, which I, I never am going to speak out against. Right. Uh, the thing that I speak out against is just, you know, I don't like seeing people get fooled. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. So that's kind of like what I, I take away from it is like, I feel like everybody kind of took the bait on this one. And and I think a lot of people are also like, oh, well, Dylan Dana sucks at boxing. He's not going to get another chance. It's like, no, this isn't, this isn't how this game works. Like if he's able to get people to watch and people are going to talk about it, like they did this time around, even if they talk about how shitty of a boxer he is, I don't know if I, right. you have yeah, on absolutely. Let it fly. But even if that's what they talk about, like, they're still talking about him. And that's also right. why I think a lot of people cover this because uh, you're getting your engagement on social media from people who are like, oh, I hope that Dylan loses. And then you're also getting engagement from people who are like, this whole thing is terrible. I hate right. it. Why are you talking about this? Like that's still engagement. It's, it's the old Howard Stern thing of like the people that loved him listened for 30 minutes and the people that hated him listened to the whole show so that they could point out all the things that they absolutely hated and wanted to complain about. Exactly. We're all tuning in. Mm -hmm. I mean- most people are. I'm yeah. not tuning. In. I'm not tuning. In. I think the thing that really stood out for me this week, and and it's funny because he's he really has just made a career of it, is that it's Dylan Dennis. And you mentioned Anthony Taylor. I think Logan Paul the same. Two guys that are capable of going and doing other things at exceptionally high levels. Like it's crazy to me how good of a professional wrestler Logan Paul is with very limited training. He set the stage afterwards of right calling out Rey Mysterio apparently on Friday. They're facing off going face to face on on SmackDown. So here we go. He's going back to it, but like certainly an avenue he could go. Seems to be successful business career-wise launching Prime with KSI and just from his influencer platform. Anthony Taylor as you said, probably a better mixed martial artist than he is a boxer. But influencer boxing is doing well. The thing for me was Dylan Dennis because this is just who he's been, it seems now, for half a decade. Where he talks a lot, he says a lot of stuff, he shows up on a lot of places, and there's never any delivery. It really is the sizzle and no steak. And I just sit there and go, why do we continue to fall for this? Well, he did 50% more, more this time because he actually showed up to fight. He showed like, up to fight this he time. That's up to true. Fight. <laughs> That's true. He made it to the fight this time. So, yeah. so credit to him for that. But why do we fall for him specifically and this sort of thing as regularly as we do? Because he's a troll and he's masterful at it. And I, I don't know. Did you see my tweet on Saturday about Dylan Danis being a troll? I think so. Like I'm basically, gonna, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase. Basically, it was like the reason why Dylan Danis 
is doing influencer boxing is because he's a prolific, like he's a great, he's a great troll. Right. The reason why he is able to grow his social media four times over the course of the, the lead up to this fight is because he's a great troll. The reason why he's getting sued is because he's a great troll. Right. The reason why he's able to show up and fight the way that he did and box that way is because he's a great troll. And everybody got trolled in this situation. Everybody right. did. Logan got trolled because he wasn't able to finish him in the boxing match. He looks bad because everybody expected Logan to, to, to beat him up. Logan's boxed with Floyd Mayweather before and didn't get knocked down. I know he's much bigger than Floyd Mayweather, but he's still like, he's still an athletic guy and probably should have been able to put down Dylan Danis in a boxing match because Dylan Danis is not good at boxing. Like, I mean, I think that's very apparent after right. that. If you had, if your expectations were like even a little bit high, he fell way, well short of those expectations. Um, so basically, he just did a masterful job of trolling absolutely everybody in this situation. He's going to make more money. He's grown his following like crazy. He's going to do this again and again and again. And we're going to fall for it every time because he's very, very good at being a troll. So kudos to him. I take my hat off to Dylan Danis in this situation. I don't agree with the kind of stuff that he was doing to, you know, kind of shame the fiance of uh, right. Logan Paul. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's right. But at the same time, it is the fight game. And people will look for any sort of leg up that they can find in terms of mental warfare and that's what he did and whatever but at the same at the same time like i'm not a fan of the guy but I, I will certainly give him his kudos for being able to pull the wool over everybody's eyes and do this to again on the grandest possible scale actually show up and you know take take something of a beating but still walk away sort of unscathed at the end pulling guard and stuff like that more right. antics i'll tip my hat to him he was he was the 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 best thing about this which I, it pains me to say, but he was the best thing about this whole thing because I think it really, uh, you know, pulled back the curtain on what exactly this is that we're, we're watching here. Right. So when we were talking, setting this up, I sort of reached out and said, hey, going to do something, would love to have you on. And the thing I said was like, to keep the analogy going, like I always think of it as the movie is never that good. And we wonder why we keep giving space to the actors when, there are all these great quality actors in smaller films appearing every week that get no attention, yet actually deliver. Like more often than not, these UFC cards provide us with entertainment, provide us with quality action, whether we know the competitors really well or not, whether they are out there on social media, whether there's been that big buildup. So from that standpoint, what can either we as media, the UFC themselves, or the competitors themselves do to up that interest level and really showcase themselves to where we are getting a little bit more of a buzz for some of these, to continue the analogy, indie movies that are actually quite good every week. Well, I don't know if the calling the UFC the indie movies is necessarily a well, fair yeah. comparison. I mean, that's where I mean, it breaks. That's where it breaks down a little bit. Yeah, but these, I mean, they're still a pretty big blockbuster film. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, you're still seeing a lot of good regional shows. Like I, what I would right. say is for sure. I always say this to people, like if you're going to pay $300 for a UFC ticket to sit in the nosebleeds, if you have a regional show in your city, pay the money to sit near the cage and, and see what this is. Like, even though these fighters aren't UFC fighters, they're still pretty damn good. Like the one, the fighters at the top of a regional card, like you live in BC and you guys get um, battlefield there. BFL. Battlefield on Thursday. Yeah. And that card is good. And like, I know you spoke to Jamie Siraj is a great fighter. Like last time battlefield was there. I, well, not last time, sorry. When they were there in June and I was June. there for, for yep. UFC, I got to sit like cage side for that. And the action is tremendous. And when I call these unified cards, the action is unbelievable. Right. Um, 
I would just tell people like, if you love this sport, watch, like you can get your UFC tickets for sure. And like, can go and, and, and check it out, but support the regional promotions. Because really, I think if people can start to relate to the fighters that are coming up in the regional promotions and, and throw their weight behind them, I think that's going to make the sport bigger in the long run overall um, when they start when they do eventually make it to the big show. And I think it'll up their profile and give them some currency when they enter the promotion. So I think that that is one way of kind of supporting the sport. If you really want to support the indie films, like that's kind of the indie films. Right, of, for sure. You know, but at the same time, I'm not really sure what the UFC can do. I, you know, the UFC don't really go out of their way to fabricate these things. Like they kind of let the fighters do the legwork. Right. And a lot of the fighters, I mean, this is why they're not able to do what Dylan Dennis does is because they are, are actually in the gym training and not focused on growing their right. social media. Hire a social media person if you're a fighter. Right. Like hire somebody who takes care of that for you. Like it'll be an expense. And I know that fighters don't make a lot of money. But if you can find somebody to do your social media, even if it's like a student that's just graduating and say, hey, I want to give you an opportunity, you know, and, and they're going to do it for you for a little bit. As long as you have a way of kind of showing people who you are and you can figure out, go viral with one or two of your videos on TikTok at some point in time, that's going to grow your personality and your profile. Doesn't mean you need to be inauthentic. Like you can be inauthentic. And I think that like a lot of what Dylan Dennis does is that he's very good at being inauthentic. and again, very masterful at, at trolling people. But at the same time, I still think that a lot of people can use uh, social media and their own platforms. And if you go on YouTube, like every fighter has a channel. Like I was just watching Johnny Walker interviewing John Cavanaugh on his YouTube channel. And I think that's great too. Um, but it's just a matter of like, what can you do that's interesting and compelling and get people to watch it so that people can learn more about you? Because ultimately, I think people will always watch the UFC for the UFC. Right. But if you can bring more people in somehow, I, I think that's going to be something that is going to be a difference maker for a lot of different fighters. Well, and we've seen it, right? There's there's people we can point to as examples, not saying that they are not skilled fighters, but there have been many athletes that have come through that have gained greater popularity and greater notoriety before hitting that skillful point and that elite standing. Like Sean O'Malley, was a huge name before he got to the point that he was competing for the bantamweight and winning the bantamweight title. Paige Van Zant, massive following from the get-go and then got into a point where she was headlining some events and competing against some some different names and parlayed that into various other things. So I think your point is absolutely correct. The regional part to me as well, it's an opportunity to connect with somebody that in a couple of years might be there. I know you have a unified event coming up in Ottawa in a couple of weeks. I've got battlefield out here in a couple of days. We mentioned Jamie Siraj. He's a guy that's kind of feels like he's probably on the cusp. And so if you're in the lower mainland and you can go and watch his card and there's some other great fighters on that card as well. But Jamie's a guy that was on the brink of, of getting an opportunity on contender series, had some health issues. Now is back is healthy. Got to win in June fights this weekend he could be fighting on contender series next season. And then you've seen him compete. And there is that connection point. I was at his fight when he lost the bantamweight title to Cole Smith, who soon after was in the UFC. So if you were at that show, you saw an eventual UFC graduate and it happens with every promotion. And we're seeing it even more and more really lately with call-ups and fighters coming through 
regional shows to the contender series to the ultimate fighter and getting those opportunities. So there's certainly, as you're saying, avenues to get invested with these athletes, see them as they're starting out, build a connection with them, and then continue to watch them on to the highest level. Similar to what we do with hockey here throughout Canada every year with the world juniors and, and junior hockey. Yeah. And NCAA as well in the States, yep. like with football and, and basketball, you get to kind of see these athletes on the grand floor, even, to, even at the high school level. Now, I think for both basketball and high school, there's right. a lot of exposure for them. So uh, yeah, I think that that's a really a good way to connect with, and also with your community, right? Because if you're watching regional fights, you're going to be learning about fighters that came up just like you did in, in your city. And I think that, you know, we're all very tribalistic when it comes to sports and we support the people from our city. So I think that that's another good avenue as well. So I'm going to put you on the spot here as you have been calling unified fights when it comes to Ontario and doing a great job yourself, John Ramdean and Mike Malott, who are some of the names in unified that people should be looking out for? Um, well, they have a lot of good champions, but, but a lot of the times we're starting to see them bring people in from the States and some of those fighters end up losing, which is sets them back quite a bit. Like Eric Shelton came and uh, he ended up beating TJ right. Guthrow. Like, I, I think there's some really good fighters coming out of Niagara top team. We've got Cody Kavanchek, who I think is very good. Clayton Pye, I think, is only two or three and oh, but he was like a, a Olympic, I think an Olympic reserve or something for Can the Canadian wrestling team. Um, I think he's going to make some noise. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head of who uh, who else. I mean, we just saw, um, uh, is it John Wynn? He just got yes. a, yeah, he just had a really, a really solid uh, victory. First round win um, over, the title over Majid, Majid Hamo. Yeah. And Hamo, I think, is a guy that's a lot of fun to watch too, right? So we're starting to see a lot of these guys in Unified come up uh, off the top of my head. I'm trying to remember who else they've got um, that uh, are making a lot of noise. Uh, you know, I know that there's also, uh, you know, James Clark is kind of in this region. He's a flyweight. He's not, he's not fighting on unified. I think Louis Jordan and uh, T and uh, Tony Laramie both have very bright, bright futures right yes. now. I think flyweight is probably the best amateur, like not amateur, but like a uh, division in, in Canada for prospective pros. Like, I think right. we're seeing a lot of good talent there. Um, so those are the, some of the fighters that I'm, I'm really eager to see, how far they get because they're still young, right? We the, right. we don't have a ton of fighters right now, like in their early twenties, that you can point to and say, these guys are they've got a really bright future. Aside from maybe like Tony Laramie and Louis Jordan, um, so I think we're gonna see who else is gonna be coming up. Uh, right now, Unified has a lot of champions from the U.S. Like they've got Faber Cell is gonna be fighting for the championship um, against Pat Pitlick, and Pat Pitlick's very good. He had a couple years off, yep. so we're gonna have to see like how a lot of these fighters that are getting these opportunities to face kind of former UFC fighters like the Eric Shelton's of the world, how they right. end up responding. Yeah. I talked to Tisha before that fight was unfortunate. Obviously it was a competitive fight from my understanding. And, you know, as you're saying, this is, this is kind of what happens sometimes is you get these opportunities and it's, it's just a step that's too far or you're just not quite ready or whatever the case may be, but it is a great opportunity. Are you going to be calling that show? Are you heading to Ottawa? Yeah, it'll be myself, John Ramdean and Mike Malott. So there you uh, go. looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, two titles on the line. So check that out on UFC yeah. fight pass. Let everybody know where they can follow you. I greatly appreciate you jumping in here and we got to let you plug everything before I, I let yeah, you get no on worries. with your day. It's all in one place. www.aaron.report. Click on that. And it has my link tree with all of the different places you can find me. I, I decided to make it easy on people instead of having them try to remember how to spell Bronstetter and stuff like that. So Aaron.report and uh, you're on your way. That is more sage, smart wisdom from Aaron Bronstetter in terms of how to let everybody get to his stuff. Terrific video setting all of this up. I appreciate you jumping in, my friend. Check out the TSN MMA show. Check out everything Aaron is doing. Check out Aaron.report for all of his stuff.
Continue to follow me at Spencer Kite, all the stuff on YouTube for Keyboard Kimura and the Substack. Shout out, as always, to the folks at One Bone. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Keyboard Kimura Podcast. Talk to you tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,